All right. All right. We are in week two of You Asked For It, uh, a series designed based off your questions. Last week we covered um, the tense subject of trying to wrestle through times in our lives when God just does not make sense. So if you missed last week and today's your first time here, go check out the website and uh, you can catch up with us. Let me just also welcome you if this is your very first time you walked in after Richard's very long, prolonged welcome this morning. Uh, I want to say I'm really glad to have you here today. Uh, today's topic is going to be uh, kind of sort of in the same vein as last week, but a- another question that we've been asked, uh, and I think it's probably very pertinent for us because most of us wrestle with trying to figure out, are we in God's will? Have you guys ever asked that question before? Am I in God's will? Am I out of God's will? Or, or where am I in the midst of, hopefully, trying to be in God's will? Because I really, I really assume most of us want to, on most occasions, be in God's will. Now, I know there are times, and I'll confess, there are times that I would rather not be in God's will because I want what I want, and I'll turn my back on what I think God wants because I think I have a better idea or a better solution, or I just don't want to go where he wants me to go because I think my idea is going to work out better for me somehow. But for most of us, on most occasions, most of us, we realize the consequences of being out of God's will. Because we've been there before, right? You, we've been out of God's will. We know that that's painful, right? It doesn't work so well. And so today we want to look at how do I know if I'm in God's will? And I want to give you this in two parts today. I want to give you the, the big picture sort of handlebars theologically of what God says about his will. And then I want to go real practical. I want to go really, really practical so much so that you can walk home today and or on Monday, tomorrow, you can sift through how you can make great decisions. Because really, we're in a decision dilemma, right? All of us have to make decisions. We started making decisions we were, when we were young. How many of you guys are trying to wrestle through when you were young, whether you're going to play in the band or we're going to play a sport, or whether you're going to play football or whether you're going to play baseball? And then you graduated beyond that and you decided, okay, where am I going off to school? If you went to college, you decided... I'm going to go play at Georgia, or I'm going to go not play at Georgia, and I'm going to try to do work at Georgia, or I'm going to go to Auburn, and I'm going to go to Auburn, and we know they don't work a whole lot in Auburn, but there is a real college. Um, that was for you, Jared, just last good times. Um, so, so you know, we wrestle with a lot of decisions. You go through college, and then, and then all of a sudden you're deciding, who am I going to marry? And hopefully you have options. <laughs> right? Some of you don't have any options. You're praying, God, help me find somebody to marry, right? We have a lot of single people here. Just look around. In fact, raise your hand if you're married today and just everyone, that way we won't put any obligation or embarrassment on people who are single, okay? But look around. If your hand's down, there's an option, okay? Now you have options today. Good options. Yeah, all the single people clap. Come on. Okay. No, that was married people. Um, All right. So you try to figure out who am I going to marry, and then it goes on to, to where am I going to live? And some of you guys are wrestling with where am I going to live, right? Maybe God's, you know, your military and you know you're stationed here for, you know, or going to be trained here for just a few weeks and you're trying to figure out what's next and then it's on to which house and then it's on to, you know, what car and how much to spend. And then one day you're saying kids and then it's how many kids. And I get asked all the time, Pastor, how many kids is too many kids? And I'm like, you just got to have more than I do. 
All right? So I just want to get to watch you as you wrestle through raising all the many kids that we pray for you. Um, and then you move on from kids, and you, you know, you got your house, you got your kids, and it's like, do I do a dog or do I do a cat? And we just know you never do cats, right? Cats are of the devil, okay? Cats are evil. They're, they're I mean, just, all right, so you know how we feel about cats around here. So there is decisions. I mean, every day, if you think about it, if you wanted to count up the amount of decisions you make in a day, right? Big ones, small ones, you add them up in a week, you add them up in a month, you add them up, add them up in a year. And most of us, we're faced with trying to figure out where am I at as it pertains to God's best for my life. Am I in God's will? Now, some of you guys have tried the fleece way of understanding God's will. You'll, you'll pray, God, if, if you want me to marry this person, make it rain today, right? And if God doesn't make it rain, you're like, ah, she's out, right? So, you know, you've tried that before. I tried that when I was younger, the whole fleece thing. That's, you know, kind of out of the Bible with the Gideon story. Some of you guys, you do the flip and point thing. That's where you take God's word and you go flip and you point. And then you get verses like First Chronicles 19.4. It says, Hanan seized David's men, shaved their heads, cut off their garments all the way in the middle of the buttocks. And then you flip and point again and you get verses like Luke 10.37. Go and do likewise. And then you're like, all right, that doesn't work. All right, so you move on from there. Some of you guys, you, 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 you know, you're trying to figure out um, like the guy who's deciding whether he's going to go to Krispy Kreme donuts or golden donuts. If you ask my son, we're golden to golden donuts. But perhaps the, 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 you, you, you ask God, am I supposed to go to one of those places? And you say, God, if I'm supposed to eat one of these, you know, heavenly, you know, morsels that you've given us, let there be a parking space up front. And so you drive around five or six times until you find one. And then that's how you find God's will. So the real question this morning is, does God have a specific will for your life? Or is God just so general that it doesn't really matter? So I want to give you, I want to give you the theology behind this. So if you, if, you, if you have got a pen or a place to write this morning, I want to help us first theologically get our brains wrapped around three big, big overarching truths as it pertains to knowing what is God's will. And God, does God have a specific will? So the first thing is this. Uh, the first thing we need to know about God's will is God has three parts of this. The first one I'm going to call, and I think Scripture calls it, God's sovereign will. So the sovereign will of God. Now let me frame this up as God's sovereign will um, is sort of like a golf game, all right? Um, how many of you guys play golf? All right, how many of you guys, you're more of an outdoors kind of guy, all right? I wore my preppy shirt today to act like I know about golf, but I am really the worst golfer you've ever seen. In fact, last hour, one of the guys who golfed with me before, he's like, dude, you should not use that analogy because you don't know much about the subject. I know, I understand that, but it helps to helps us to understand that in the game of golf, when you hit that nice little white ball, you're supposed to drive it down the middle of what's called the what? The fairway, right? So in the fairway, you've got one side of the fairway, and on, that, on the outside of that side of the fairway is the what? We didn't say cat, right? We said rough, because dogs bark, and on the side of the fairway, it's called the... Oh, you guys are lame. Okay, so, all right, so, and so on that side of the fairway, you've got the rough, and so you got all this room in the fairway. Then on this side of the fairway, you have the other side, it's called the... 
Meow. Very good. Very good. All right, you guys, you guys are tracking with me. All right, so when it comes to God's will, God has a sovereign will. And if we'll attempt to be in God's sovereign will, by the way, the God's sovereign will is whatever God is doing on the earth, whatever God has predecided that he's going to be doing in, in this world is God's sovereign will. You know, God said, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to will mankind and, and send my son Jesus to model that I love, I love people and I want them to be able to love me uh, my sovereign will is not that they would be forced to love me, not that anyone put their arms behind their back and forced them to love me, but I'm going to give Jesus. So there's things that, are, that God's been doing on this planet that are his sovereign will. We can't change it. It's sovereignly already in the works by God. So when it comes to God's sovereign will, that's one of the sides of the fairway. Anything that we would do contrary or outside of, out of God's sovereign will puts us over here in an area that we don't want to be, the rough. We all know in golf, it's best to hit down the center of the fairway because the grass is real short, the ball rolls further, and you can make a lot more progress in the game of God, a golf like we can in knowing God's will if you'll stay within these boundaries. Now, the other boundary is what's called the moral will of God. And so, Morally, there are some things that God has already said in his word about certain subjects in life that if we get outside God's moral will, obviously you're back in the rough again. And so if we'll stay within the fairway between God's sovereign will and God's moral will, things are gonna go much better. And anytime we get outside of God's sovereign will, things get rough. And anytime we get outside of God's moral will, things get rough. So here's the question. So does God have a, a specific will for me? Or can I, do I just have free reign inside God's sovereign and moral will? Well, there are a lot of times God gives us some free reign, and that's great. Thank you, God, for giving me some choices. But there are times you and I both want, God, give me some direction, right? When it comes to where do I live? Who do I marry? Just everyday life stuff. Maybe it's not in God's word, who, when, how, or what. Maybe there's some big overarching truths, and God does talk a lot about specifics. I mean, when, you, when, you, when it comes to God's moral will, God specifically says some stuff in there, i.e. like, you know, how we ought to live our lives sexually, right? God gives some specifics, and when we get outside of that moral will, man, things can get so messed up, so bent out of shape, and it can become very, very painful if we're outside of God's moral will. So God, we ask oftentimes, God, help me know what's your, what's this called? Personal will. God has a personal will for us. For example, my wife and I, we felt God personally leading us and our family to come to Columbus, Georgia to start this church. That was God's personal plan for our lives. We didn't know, know exactly where God would lead us to start the church. God just ended up, we just ended up happening to launch here in this location. We didn't know if that was God's personal plan or not. We just knew his personal plan was for us to be here. That was the clarity piece for us. So, so God's sovereign will, God's moral will, God's personal will. And here's the, here's the thing. When, the, when, when we can put this together, the more I can get to know the sovereign will of God, the more I can get to know the moral will of God, the better I can discern God's personal will. You tracking? The more I can figure out and understand God's sovereign will, 
the more I can understand what God said in his word, says in his word about his moral will, then and only then can I better understand and discern God's personal will. So let me go practical now. So with all the decisions that we make and understanding that golf um, picture of where we have this personal framework of understanding God's will, I want to give you a filter today, a filter to run all your decisions through. And I feel like this is straight out of God's word. This is something you can take and you can start exercising today. You can, you can jot these down and on tomorrow, on Monday, you can say, God, I, I want to, from now on, I want to regularly ask the questions that will help me discern, understand what is your personal will for my life. So here we go. Here's practical, practical ways to make decisions. First one is this. Number one, am I in a right relationship with God? We have to ask this to be able to even start knowing what's God's will for our life. We've got to say, God, if you're wise and you're all-knowing and you have a sovereign will, your word's giving me your moral will, you've got, a, you've got a best plan for my life, then it behooves me to be close to God, right? If I'm close to God, the better I'm going to understand his will for my life. So whenever, you, when, whenever it gets down to you, man, you've got to make a decision. We want to we be near God. Now, as a church, you guys know every, every first of the year, every January, we encourage our church. We do a series sometimes, wrapping itself around a prayer in time of fasting. When I, the bigger the decision, the more I want to spend time with God, right? The, the more I want to spend time perhaps even fasting. God, I'm, I, I got to know. We're, we're, we're up against the wall. We've got a big decision. We've got a, a big pain spot. We've got a, a tender spot over here in our life. God, I need help with this. I want to draw near to God. And sometimes you want to spend extra time praying, extra time perhaps even fasting. So Romans says it like this. Romans says that we should not, in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. All right? Most of us get that. Some of you guys are still wrestling. Some of you guys are you know, in your 30s and in your 20s and even pre, you know, pre-20s, you still think sometimes conforming to the pattern of this world still is cool. It still works. But can I tell you, one of the things you'll learn over time, the closer you are to God and doing what He wants for your life, the happier and more peaceful your life will be. So if we can be careful with not conforming to the pattern of this world, then... The Bible says that God will transform us through the renewing of our minds. And then it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And let's talk about what His will is. What is His will? His will is good, it's pleasing, and it's always perfect. So here's the deal. God has a perfect, pleasing will for your life. So the first filter is, am I in a right relationship with God? The second one is this. What does the Bible say? That's how we know if we're inside of God's moral will. We've got to know what God's word said. So what does God's word say to us? Well, in Luke 21, 33, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So God has words and direction and a plan for us. And it's never going to fail. If we're in God's will, we're exactly where we should be. And things are going to work better for us. So what does God's word say? So we need to spend time asking, God, what does your word say about this? 
God, I want to know what your word says. Help me understand, God. Help me bring clarity to what you want for my life. Now, I have I've constantly got people asking me, uh, they, they think I know what God's will is for you. And can I just say, my job is to get you close to God. His job is to help you understand what his will is for your life. I don't know. But on occasion, and it's, it's totally cool, I love it, talking to you guys about, you know, uh, maybe getting advice about deciphering God's will. It's part of one of our, one of our filters here this morning. But I, I will have people on occasion, uh, on, on occasion, maybe a girl that will come and say, hey, I'm dating this guy, and he's not a Christian. And right then and there, my antennas go up. I'm like, all right, I've, I've had this conversation so many times before. They're looking for me to okay what they're about to say. And they'll say, oh, he's the sweetest guy, but he's not a Christian. And my advice usually is, and, and I've given this advice many times, and it's 90% of the time turned out to be right, because Scripture says don't, you know, shack up, fall in love with someone who's an unbeliever. We kind of call that the, uh, the um, missionary dating idea. And here's what happens. You fall in love with this person. You're, you're trying to win them to God. And I've seen it happen so many times that they, they, they say, you know, they, they're doing all the right things. They're saying they're going to come to church. They're saying they're going to start falling in love with God. They're, they're saying all this. And I'm thinking, yes, but as soon as you marry them, as soon as you marry them, then all the answers won't be yes any longer. And 90% of the times what I've seen, if you go outside of God's will, you all of a sudden figure out this was not the right decision. So you want to stay within what the Bible says. Uh, so the, the idea here is don't change don't change God's word to try to rewrite it to say what you want it to say. Let it say what it's supposed to say and let it guide you. So that's the third thing. What does God, what, is, um, what does the Bible say? Second thing. Third thing is what would Jesus do? Now this is not the old school, you ever remember the bracelets, right? The WWJD bracelets people would look at. I never had one. I was, I was way too cool for the WWJD bracelets. But the idea was, was solid. The question is, what would Jesus do? Right? If you're getting to know God's word, then you can look at God's word and see, okay, here's how Jesus treated this person. Here's how God operated through, through Jesus in this scenario when it came to difficulties or struggles or people. So the question is, what would Jesus do? James 3.17 says, but the wisdom. Now, here's, here, here it is. This is, all, this is what we want. We want wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Now, I don't, know, I don't know that you can say that about a lot of other things. But you can say this about godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is pure. So if you're looking for a pure answer, if you're looking for a pure direction, God wants to give us that. Godly wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. Then, here's some other great things. Then it's peace-loving. How many of you guys would love a little peace in your life, right? Stay in the fairway. Stay within God's sovereign, His moral looking for his personal will. It's also peace-loving. It's considerate. Here's the thing about Jesus. He was considerate, right? If you're, if you're stressing, God, what's, my, what's your will about how I should treat my spouse? Be considerate, right? There, there you go, right there. All right, be considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere. So what would Jesus do? There you go, All right? If you're wrestling, God, I want to know your will. All right, here's all this space in here where there's a great framework for asking what would Jesus do. Now, 
as you're looking at this filter, here's something I want you to note. Don't cherry pick these. Don't say, well, I'll do one or two or three. If you want to know God's pure will, follow this prescription. This is biblical. I want you to exercise this, and this is how you're going to grow. And can I just tell you, if you'll do these things, you're going to grow in your spiritual maturity. Maturing people, maturing people who are following God, ask these questions. God, I don't, I don't want to know my will. I want to know what your will is. So the fourth thing is this. Have I sought godly counsel? That's, that's a great filter. Don't leave this one out. If I want to know God's will, have I sought godly counsel? Proverbs 11:14 says this. For lack of guidance, a nation falls. But many advisors make victory sure. Now, this is, a real, this is a question of whenever you're making a decision, go ask godly people for advice. Even if they have, even if sometimes some of those pieces of advice might be differing, you are going to make wise decisions as God works through other godly wise people to help give you a framework. There are so many times that we're making decisions around here at the church. And I can tell you, there, I, don't, I don't really think there, was, has, there has been a decision that I've made solo about this church uh, without godly counsel. I, I just, maybe there's a little self-awareness here that I recognize, like, I, I are not all of that, <laughs> and I need help. And so why, why be out there on, on your loan by yourself thinking you're all of that, and I'm the wise one, when, you, when, when God wants to put in your life godly people, wise people, who will help you ascertain whether things are good, bad, or just completely out of the picture. I can tell you in my marriage with Christy, we've been married now, gosh, 22, 22 years, 20, she's saying 23, 23 this summer. But the word going on, thank you very much. So, um, so we're going on 23 years marriage. I have learned over the years, it's not always been this way, to not force something through without Christy giving her blessing on it. The guys are going, oh, that sucks. <laughs> right? Right? I had a guy walk out a minute ago in our church. I needed to become this guy's friend. He just, his wife was nudging him in church because he just went out and bought the hottest new Mustang 350. You guys know about that? That Mustang 500, Mustang 350. It's awesome. It's got a supercharger on it. My son loves it. We're going to go for a ride next week. Right, J.D.? Uh. So, so, and his wife was like, he's like, yeah, I don't know that I had complete, you know, backing on that one. And, you know, I know that can, can, can be difficult, guys. But when it comes to big decisions, when it, when it really comes to, you know, you want to make the wise choice. And you want to look your, your spouse in the eyes and your kids in the eyes, men, and lead them well. Or wives, look your families in the eyes and say, we want to we wanna lead and model well. You've got, we've got to seek godly counsel. So that's number four. Number five, do I sense God's peace? Do I sense God's peace? Now, this is one that can be tricky at times because I have literally had people uh, call me or catch me on a Sunday and say, hey, uh, I, I feel in my heart, I feel good in my heart that I'm, what I'm about to do with leaving my spouse and leaving my kids is the right decision. And I'm like, bro, 
That ain't peace. That was, that's, that, whatever you feel is like bad gas from whatever you ate yesterday. But that's not peace. And so when, when it, you know, when it's not, when it's, when it's outside God's moral will, obviously it's not God's sovereign will because we, you can, you learn that through what scripture says about what God's ultimate plan is. All right. So when it comes down to peace, if you don't have real peace, you don't do it. Right? So you set this up, you run all these questions that we have through this filter. You ask, do I have peace about this? We get that from Corinthians 14.33. For God is not the author of confusion, but, what is it? But peace. So let me give you something personal. About three years ago, right up before Easter, I was given an incredible opportunity for our church. Our church was given an incredible opportunity. Another church up in Harris County was uh, drastically shrinking in size. Uh, Things were just falling apart. And they had uh, a few million dollars in building and land. And we had, uh, from the very beginning of our church, a heart and a passion and a whole game plan in print for how our church has plans to be one church in multiple locations. Um, and so we were, we were very excited about this opportunity, right? It was just 15 miles up the road, up north end of Harris County, going towards Atlanta. And we were very excited about this. But for about three weeks, I wrestled with this. I couldn't sleep over it. I was like, baby, this is going to kill me before Easter. I feel like I got to make a decision on this. We're asking godly wise counsel. I'm calling people. Finally, I called one of my wisest mentors. You guys have met Kirk Nowry before. Kirk has spoke here several times on our stage. Kirk was my pastor growing up. Uh, he moved on at one point when was the president of one, one of John Maxwell's, the leadership guy, uh, one of his companies. He went on from there to be the president of Samaritan's Purse under Franklin Graham at one time. Kirk is a wise, 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 wise man. And so when it comes to some big, hairy, hairy, scary stuff, I call Kirk. Kirk, this is Jeff. Hey, man, I am wrestling with something. Well, tell me about it. I said, well, here's what the story is. Here's how I've been feeling. He goes, do you have peace about it? And it was one of those, like, slapping you in the face questions like, why didn't I think of that, right? Like, duh, peace. But I really never had really, really asked that question in the midst of a big, heavy decision dilemma. And so he goes, let's just do this. Why don't you, for sake of, you know, how we talk about this, just do a little mental gymnastics, and why don't you just take that off the table? And he's like, just seriously, just say, you're not going to do it. And tell me a week from now, I want you to pray Take it off the table and tell me how you feel this week taking it off your mind and saying, I'm not going to do it. We're not going to do it. So we did that. So we prayed. We talked to our council here local, um, and we took it off the table. I slept great for a whole week. Slept great for a whole week. (laughs) I'm like, oh, gosh, but we want it. We want it. What God showed me in that week was I wanted it. I wanted it, but it wasn't his will for us. So I called Kirk. I said, Kirk, this is what I felt. He goes, that's what God's peace feels like. That's God's peace. And so can I just tell you, we all say we want God's will. And ultimately, we want God's will. But sometimes our will gets in front of God's will, 
And if we can't discern it, we get ourselves into a, a lot of trouble. Can I tell you, that was three years ago, that church has gone through a hornet's nest of a mess. One of which I'm very grateful that we had no part of. We didn't need the added problems, and we weren't staffed and ready to assume that predicament. And so I, th- I say thank you to godly, wise counsel. Thank you, right? So why would we ever say, God, I want to be out of your will? Why would we ever say, God, I want to do my way with how things ought to operate morally. God, I'm not really concerned about what you're doing in the world. When God's saying all along, guys, if you'll just draw close to me, then I'll give you peace. I'll give you the purest wisdom and direction for your life. So here's the thing. Run every decision through this grid. Let me give you the last one. Number six, ask ourselves, is it my will or is it God's will? And this is where you got to be honest with yourselves. And honestly, this is the most healthy thing you can do is to regularly, I would say every morning when you get up, you say, God, today, I don't want to live for my will. I want to live for your will. Will you show me your will today? Jesus modeled this. Jesus, as he was sweating drops of blood before he gave his life, he said this to his father in Matthew 26, 39. He said, my father, speaking to God, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And then he says this famous line that we should adapt. Yet not as I will, but as you will. See, the goal in all this, not my will, but your will. Every day we should wake up, God, not my will, but your will be done today. Leading this church, God, not my will, but your will. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to blow this as leading, investing. We don't want to blow this as men leading our families. God, not my will, but your will. It behooves us to be as close as we can to God as we lead, as we walk, as we move forward. Luke 9, 23 says this. Then he said to them all, these are Jesus' words, if anyone, this is what he says to us, if anyone would come after me, if you want to be close to God, this is ultimately what it comes down to. If you want to be close to me, if you want to come after me, this is what we've got to do. And this is where sometimes I feel like this is harsh. This is harsh for us to swallow this pill. It's harsh for me to swallow this pill. He must deny himself, right? God, I want us to expand quickly. I want that church up there. I want $2 million, God, we could use that. That's great equity for our church, right? We're trying to build, we're trying to advance, we're trying to move forward. God, I want that shiny red new Mustang. It's going to help our family be closer together, right? I've said that way too many times on other things. But if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And here's here's what I want to end with this statement. And I think this is, this is maybe for you personally, individually here today. Maybe, maybe God brought you here today to hear this last statement. You can't fully live. Like you can't really fully live. Like fully walk and experience all God's greatness, His goodness, His power, His love, His grace in your life. You can't fully live 
apart from knowing God, right? We can't fully live apart from knowing God. And you can't know God without surrendering to his will for your life. So I know that sounds, I know it sounds harsh. And I'm the first to admit, I want my will sometimes over God's will. But I've also, I've also taken those steps to make whatever it is I wanted part of my affection and, 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 you know, done whatever it was. And I've lived the experience of being out of God's will. And I've had some brokenness. I've had some, some pain. I've caused hurt in my marriage. I've, called, I've caused poor decisions for my family before. And I can tell you, after some bruised up tender spots in my life, I would rather be right down the fairway, out of the rough, moving forward as God would want me to because His ways are just better. Problem with me is, power with all of us, we can't see what's next. We don't know what's next. But God knows what's next. And He, like a perfect father with perfect wisdom says to us just draw near to me you draw near to me I'll be with you I'll be with you in every endeavor every decision so the thing we want to walk away with today is saying this not my will not my will but your will so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to close uh, this sermon, this conversation out. Really thinking of this is sort of the idea of surrender, the idea of choosing God's will is really what it is to make a decision to make Jesus your Savior. The, the, the way we, we say this around here in our church is Jesus, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to like potentially God moving some of your hearts today to say, you know what, I, I, I need salvation. Really this comes down to, and how we say this around here is Jesus, I want to make you leader and forgiver of my life. That's it's really surrendering to God's will, isn't it? God, I want to make you leader and forgiver of my life. Some of you, if you've never done that, you've never made Jesus your leader. You've never surrendered to his will. And some of you have never said, God, I want you to be my forgiver. And so today, I'm asking some of you, if you feel God moving your heart, that maybe today God brought you according to his will for you to be here today, for you to know him for the first time, some of you today. Maybe you've known God. He's a God. He's some, you know, distant person or whatever. But God wants to personalize a relationship with you today. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads just for a moment. Everyone bow your heads. Close your eyes just for a moment of privacy. And I want to ask you, before I pray, a, a prayer of, of, you know, salvation. And, and, and I, I want to ask you, would you want this to count for you? So let me just ask you this. I'm about to pray. I'm, I'm going to pray for many of you to make Jesus leader and forgiver of your life today. How many would say, just by raising your hand, Jeff, I'm going to raise my hand and I'm going to ask you to help that prayer count for me too. How many would be like that today? I got hands going up. I'll pray for you. 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 See you. Yes, yes, yes. Raise them. God. Just, we're going we're gonna to pray for each other in just a second. I see them all over here. If you want to ask Jesus today to be your Savior, to be the leader and forgiver of your life, and you know you need him. He's, 
he's tugging on your heart, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Pray with me in this moment. And I'm going to pray right now, and you just pray along with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart and save me. Would you be the leader and forgiver of my life? Scripture says, if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth mouth, that Jesus is Lord, Scripture says you are saved. So today, I believe we get to celebrate the many, many people all day today that have made Jesus the leader and forgiver. Church, family, our family has just grown. So God, we celebrate this moment with you. I pray for all those that have made you Lord of their life, that it would be a that it would be an ongoing relationship. Not that you would ever leave us, but that we would always stay in pursuit of you. God, I pray as we pursue you, that every, every day we'd find you. God, I pray you'd be real in the experience and the knowledge and the maturity and the growth in this family would become so much more greater as a family. Our love would become greater, God, and we would even we would continue to just be blown away by your greatness, by your grace. So, Lord, we love you today. I thank you, God, that you've been with us. And, Lord, I pray that today as we walk away from here, God, we would live surrendered to you. And that every day we'd wake up and all throughout the day, we'd say, not my will, but your will. In your name we pray, amen. Can we just celebrate what God just did? Come on. We're going to close a little bit differently. We're trying out, kind of staying in this moment and not passing buckets to do the whole offering thing. But can I tell you, on your way out today, there is going to be a bucket. And I'm going to ask you to prepare to give if God's moving your heart to be a part of this family and to to pay the way what God's doing around here. But I would also ask you this. If you've made a decision today, I want you to I want you to grab a communication card that's in the seat back in front of you. If you made Jesus leader and forgive you today, I want to send you a book. I want to send you some help to help you get started in your growth. I also want to remind you, you ought to get plugged into the Rooted Bible study that we're about to do. It's going to be off the chain awesome. Consider Rooted and let me know. I would love to know personally to start praying for you and your your journey growing with God by filling out that communication card and letting me know you made Jesus leader and forgiver of your faith in your life today. So what I want you to do right now, I want you to stand. Everybody stand. Steve is going to lead us in this last song. We're not going to pass a bucket. You'll find buckets on your way out. You can give online if you want to give. You can give on your text. But church, let's just in this moment right now, let's just worship in, in sort of an abandonment and surrender to God. Not my will, but your will. And let's just fire up this last song for him. Let's do it.